0: Hello and welcome to the First Baptist Church of LaGrange. What an honor it is to have you listening to our church broadcast today. We hope that as you listen along, following in your Bible, that you experience the grace and presence of Christ just as strongly as we do every Sunday in our worship service. May God truly bless you as you listen. So I was at a church, a previous church, and I was serving as the associate pastor and I led worship and youth. I happened to be hired there while I was attending seminary and the church deeply encouraged me to finish my degree. I remember driving so many hours back and forth for school. It was about a three hour drive to school and three hours back. And after a couple of years the youth ministry simply exploded. I mean, we just had kids coming from everywhere, and we were doing huge youth events, and kids were being baptized and saved, and uh, as a matter of fact, the church kind of had to start borrowing money from the youth ministry's account. <laughs> it was crazy what God was doing. But I can remember one day after a, a huge service and lots of kids being baptized, the pastor came to me and he said, "If you want to continue on here." You're going to have to quit school. I don't know who told you you could go to school anyway. Well, I said you did. (laughs) You found me at school and you told me. Nevertheless, Rachel was just, I mean, hours, days away from giving birth to one of our seven children. And we found ourselves asking a very deep question, Lord, where do we go from here? You ever been there? Ever had things fall apart? You ever had some things happen to you that you didn't see coming and you begin to ask that question, where do we go from here? We're in the book of Ruth, and so if you want to take your Bibles and open them to Ruth, that'll help you know where we're at. If you don't have a copy of God's Word with you, there's some Bibles in the seat pockets underneath the seats. Uh, You can look in the context, uh, and the first content, the table of contents in your Bible. Please don't ever be ashamed to do that, and you can find where the book of Ruth is located. Uh, So far, it's on page 394 in my Bible. but I want you to be in the book of Ruth because we started preaching through the book of Ruth last week and we ended with the death of Elimelech and his two sons, Mahlon and Chilion. So Naomi, Ruth, and Orpah, the wives, are all left alone. Their future is bleak and it does not really offer any hope, I'm sure they were asking themselves in this situation, where do we go from here? Our text this morning, I believe, is going to provide us three principles of what to do when you don't know where to go from here. So I wonder if you would just rise to your feet as we read out of God's holy word yet again. In the book of Ruth, I'm going to begin reading in verse 6. The Bible says, Then she arose with her daughters in law that she might return from the land of Moab. For she had heard in the land of Moab (laughs) that the Lord had visited his people in giving them food. So she departed from the place where she was and her two daughters in law with her, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. Naomi said to her two daughters in law, Go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. May the Lord grant that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, no, but we will surely return with you to your people. But Naomi said, return, my daughters. Why should you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Return, my daughters. Go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I said I have hope, if I should even have a husband tonight and also bear sons, would you therefore wait until they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters. For it is harder for me than for you, for the hand of the Lord has gone forth against me. And they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law But Ruth clung to her. Then she said, behold, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from following you. For where you go, I'll go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God my God, where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. Thus may the Lord do to me, and worse, if anything but death parts you and me. When she saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. So they both went until they came to Bethlehem, and when they had come to Bethlehem, all the city was stirred because of them. And the woman said, is this Naomi? She said to them, don't call me Naomi. Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. I went out full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has witnessed against me and the Almighty has afflicted me? So Naomi returned, and with her Ruth, the Moabitess, and her daughter-in-law, who returned from the land of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of, of the barley harvest. Lord, may you bless your word in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Here's the first thing I want to show you, man. I want to just kind of help you kind of dig some stuff it out of God's word today. And that first thing is this. When you're about to figure out where to go from here, man, guard, guide your heart with biblical decisions Guide your heart with biblical decisions. You see, when you're tired, when you're depressed, when you're stressed out, when you're about to go over the edge, be very careful in your decisions because you're very vulnerable to making the wrong ones when you're hurting. You see, death and despair have visited Naomi. Ruth and Orpah, they, they, they're all there. They're kind of in... Moab and and death and depression and just stress has surrounded them. The famine in Bethlehem paled in comparison to now the famine they're experiencing, Moab. They're down and out. There's no hope on the horizons, yet you know this as well as I know. When you get in those kind of situations, decisions have to be made. We can't just not make any decisions. Even when we don't feel like them, So when those decisions are made, there are a few things that we learn from here to help us keep in mind, and that is first, don't make decisions based on limited rational choices. Don't make your decisions based on limited rational choices, because in verse six, things are looking up because they've heard that back in Bethlehem, the house of bread, there's now bread. Why? Because the Lord has visited or provided for his people. And this is the first time in the book of Ruth the, the name of the Lord is mentioned. It's the Lord who's providing for his people. So the question is, is might he now provide for me, Naomi asks. She doesn't think so. Verse seven, the three women, they head together towards Bethlehem. In verse eight, Naomi engages the two daughters in a long conversation. Listen carefully. Her intentions are very good. Her rationale It's very good. But her judgment is so wrong. She tells them to go back to their mother, not their father. A widow should stay with her mother, not her mother-in-law, seems to be what she's saying. In this, get this, she is willing to go back alone. She has lost her home, her husband, and her sons, and now she adds another wound, a self-inflicted one, that she wants to now travel back alone. Nevertheless, she asked the Lord to show kindness to them, to treat them graciously. Now, the Hebrew word here is the word chesed. Where's my daughter at? Where's my baby girl chesed? Well, man, I want you to know that that's why we've named my daughter Kessed. She's right here. She's right here in the text. You know what Kessed means? You know what Hesed means? It's an Old Testament word that appears over and over. It talks about covenant loyalty. It talks about faithfulness. It talks about kindness. It talks about goodness, mercy, love, compassion. There's no English word in our language that describes Kessed. a word rooted in relationship. It's action-oriented. It is enduring in its commitment. It's completely voluntary. It's an act of extraordinary mercy or kindness that goes above what anyone could ask. And it's the Lord here who models hesed. And over two thirds of the 245 times it appears, it's always God's hesed to humans. And yet those who love God are then to, out of the overflow, then show Chesed to others. Interestingly, the only humans in this book said to exercise Chesed are Orpah and Ruth. It's the Moabites, the ones who don't know God, that are showing Chesed to Naomi. Naomi. Orpah and Ruth have shown hesed to her and to the departed family. So now she entreats Yahweh to do to them likewise. She also asked the Lord if you were listening to find them other husbands. She knows that in their world, security and well-being are intimately connected to being related to a man. Just the kind of the way the world worked that day. So they do what women do. They kiss and they wept, right? Women are always just kissing and hugging. That's what they do. I'm just teasing. I love to do it too. But they say, hey, Naomi, we're not going anywhere. We're going to stay with you. And at this point, the daughter-in-law show more faithfulness to Naomi than the Moabites. And and here's the deal. Naomi's intentions and rational thinking is good. But sending, here's the point. Sending these girls back to the land of Moab. Sending them back to the pagan god Chemosh who requires child sacrifices to please him is not where she should be sending her kids. So when you're trying to figure out where should I go from here, don't make decisions based on these limited rational choices. Number two is this. Don't make choices based on logical, reasonable choices. On logical, reasonable choices. Now, Naomi is not deterred. If passion won't dissuade her daughters-in-law, then maybe just cold, hard logic and reason will. Her reasoning really is flawless, and her argument is well-packaged like most logical arguments are. She says, hey, can I have more sons? Nope, she's too old. Do I even have the prospect of a husband? Nope. Hypothetically, just humor me a bit, ladies. If I'm married tonight, miracle number one, And had sons tonight, miracle number two, would you wait until they're old enough to marry you? No. Now the big one. Is it wise for you to stay with someone whom obviously the Lord is against? This is her logic. God has been against me. So would you want to hang out with someone whom the Lord is against? That's her logic. Yahweh has brought me to the land of famine. Yahweh is the one who's caused me to be widowed and childless. Who knows what he may do to me next? Do you want to hang around with me? In verse 14, she says, the hand of the Lord is against me. There, the Lord's hand is seen to be against her. Naomi feels that that's just her lot in life, that the Lord is against her. The Lord is her enemy. Only a fool would be anywhere near her. So she says, just go home. It breaks my heart to say it to you, but it's best for all of us. Logic just says you need to go home. And from a human perspective, her logic and her reason are unchallengeable. But can I just let you know that when God's at work, sometimes it doesn't make sense. We must trust him even when we don't understand how it could go against logic. So when making decisions, don't base them on logical, reasonable choices. Here's what we really need to do. You do make decisions based on loving, redemptive choices. You do make choices based on loving, redemptive choices. When making choices and trying to decide where to go from here, the first place we need to go is to the Lord. Return to God, love him, turn away from wherever you've been and just come home to the land of bread. You remember that the Bible says, first and foremost, we have to do the loving thing no matter what decisions we make. And the first decision we have to make is found in Deuteronomy 6, 5. And it says this, that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, and your strength. You see, this is really about guarding your heart with and guiding your heart with biblical decisions. I can't think about the rational and reasonable heart and mind choices that are back there. I've got to lead my heart with the Bible. So wherever I go and whatever I do and the people that I talk to, it should be moving them to love God. But then she's been taught this and she should know this. The other loving and redemptive and biblical thing to do would be to love her neighbors who happened to be her two daughters-in-law. She should have said to them what, what Moses told his father-in-law in Numbers 10, 29. And it reads this. Then Moses said to Hobab. Now, that's a good name right there. I just like that name. The sons of Ruel, the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law, here's what he says. We are setting out to the place of which the Lord said, I will give it to you. Here's what she should have said. Come with us and we will do you good for the Lord has promised good concerning Israel. That's what she should have said. That would have been the loving, redemptive choice. So when I'm wondering where to go from here, I need to ask, what's the loving thing to do? Not what's logical, not what's reasonable, not what's rational. What's the loving thing to do? It's never wrong to do the loving thing. But I want to give you something practical. Here's something else that I think might benefit you when you are trying to make decisions. Can I just give you this? Throw it up there on the board. First of all, don't make a decision when you're hungry. You're going to make some bad choices if you make big decisions when you're hungry. A lot of people are like, man, I made some of the best choices ever. I ate until I was, yeah. This ain't about your diet. This is about choices about life. If you're hungry, don't make a, don't make a big choice. The other thing is, is when you're angry. And don't make big choices, life decision choices when you're angry. Anger never leads you down the right path. Here's another thing. When you're lonely, don't, don't do it when you're lonely. She was lonely. And she was hungry. And she was angry. Do y'all see that? Last thing is, is don't make decisions when you're tired. See, Naomi was hungry. She had been without food. She was in the land, and, and now she's wanting to go back. She's heard that there's bread. She's angry about what the Lord has done. She's very lonely. She's without her husband, and she's just tired of carrying it all. And she made some very poor choices. I want to just encourage you to guide your heart with biblical decisions. Here's the second thing we learn from our text. Give your heart with bulldog devotion. Give your heart with bulldog devotion. You see, Naomi's argument sways the heart of Opa. She begins to weep and kisses her mother-in-law, but then she heads home. Here's the sad reality. We never see or hear of Orpa again in the Bible. There's a lot to say about that. But we don't have time to go there today. But Ruth's response is altogether different. There's just this unrelenting bulldog devotion in her soul. Now, they say it's a woman's prerogative to change her mind. And for the most part, I agree with that. But here is a woman whose mind will not be changed. She has got a bulldog devotion to Naomi. Her mind will not be changed no matter the cost. What she does stands in stark opposition and contrast to Orpah. What she does shows greater faith than even that of Naomi. So what do we learn about godly, faithful devotion from this Gentile widow from Moab? One of the things is, is devotion must include a dedicated walk. That's the first thing. Devotion must include a dedicated walk. The Bible says that Orpah leaves, but Ruth clings to her. That's the same word found in Genesis two twenty four when it says of a man leaving his mother and his father and being joined to his wife. That's the same word. I mean, it is like for life. You are clinging together. You are hanging on together. Ruth gets a bulldog grip on Naomi and says, I'm not letting go. Naomi points to the actions of Orpah and says, hey, she's going back. Why don't you go back too? She says, Hey, she's going back to her people. She's going back to her gods. She's going back to that land. Ruth, why don't you go too? But Ruth says, "Mm." she says in verse 18, and then this is beautiful. She says, listen, I'm determined to go with you. In other words, I'm headstrong about this. Beloved, if you're going to make the loving, redemptive choice to go back to the land of blessing, to return where God is blessing, to get back on track, can I just tell you, it's going to take some dedication in your walk. It's like these two precious girls up here, man. They're going to have to say, man, I've decided to follow Jesus and there's no turning back. It's going to take a devoted walk. It's going to take, I mean, a devoted, devoted walk. You're going to to get a bulldog grip on Jesus and just hang on for the ride. Amen. And then secondly, devotion must include dedicated words. I think it's interesting that the walk comes before the words. She says there, hey, man, Ruth, you do with your life what you want to do. But Ruth says, no, I've decided what I'm going to do. And she confesses with her mouth what's in her heart. That's what we do, right? And she says some of the most beautiful verses in all of Scripture. These are wedding verses, by the way. These are the first words we hear from Ruth. And she says, hey, don't plead with me to abandon you. Then follows this devotion with words, and it's just so beautiful. She says, wherever you go, I will go. If you go north, I'm heading north. If you go south, I'm in the south. If you go east, we're on. If you go west, praise God, I'm there with you. Wherever you live, I will live. If you go back to a cave or a cottage, a hut or a home, I'm there. And your God, this is important, and your God will be my God. That's our confession of faith right there. I've heard about the God of Israel. I believe the Messiah is coming to save his people from their sins. Your God will be my God. Maybe just by hanging around the family, she had seen the beauty and the majesty and the sovereignty and the holiness of God. And she no longer wants to be this pagan. She wants to be a follower of the true God of Israel. And she says, and where you die, I will die. And where you're going to be buried, that's where I'm going to be. And let nothing but death separate us. Finally, she invokes an oath calling upon Yahweh as a witness to her pledge. She says, may the Lord punish me and do so severely if anything but death separates you from me. I so wish I had more people talking that way to each other. Her decision is for life. She has decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back, though none go with me. Say it, church. Still, I will follow whose faith is incredible. Her devotion without compare, her commitment to Naomi transcends geographical location, racial origin, or even national religion. Her conversion also reveals that the Lord's salvation, can I just tell you, the Lord's salvation transcends no matter where you're at, no matter what your color of skin is, or no matter what your past religion was, Jesus still saves, amen. Jesus still saves, amen. Amen. Thank you. I'll just check and see if y'all heard that. What kind of church I'm preaching to today. Did you know that the Bible says in Romans 10, 13, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved? Do you believe that? And then Precious, my sweet sister, said, I don't even know if it was a conscious decision, but I just knew I was supposed to lift my head. I'm begging God to do that to your heart today, that you can't help but follow this precious Jesus of ours. In a few moments, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do exactly what Kylie and Lindy did and put their faith in Christ. But when you make a choice to go with the Lord and back to his blessing, it's going to take bulldog devotion. Did y'all know back in 1948, a Swiss mountaineer named George de Mestral or Jorge de Mestral. He was walking through the woods and he was very frustrated by the burrs that kept clinging to his clothes. And while picking them off, he realized that it might be possible to use that principle to make a fastener to compete with the zipper. So this man designs what? Velcro, you got it. Velcro was inspired by the natural sticking properties of burrs. If you look at a Velcro strip, you'll notice it has two parts. A strip that has a tiny web of hooks and a strip that has tiny interwoven hoops. And those two are a perfect match for each other. And when you join them together, the hooks catch the loops and become meshed together in a very strong bond. That is what Ruth did to Naomi. She Velcroed her. I mean, she just got together and clung to her. She joined her heart to Naomi's heart. And she says, no matter what happens, where you go, what you do, whatever, I'm with you. She said, I've got a bulldog grip. And so Naomi is all out of arguments and energy and patience. So in verse 18, she says, I just got to stop talking to you. Did you see it there in verse 18? Verse 18, it says, when she saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. Guard your heart with biblical decisions. Give your heart with bulldog devotion. And lastly, finally, quickly, guard your heart against bitter despair. Following the departure of Orpah and the stirring speech of Ruth, she and Naomi traveled to Bethlehem. And there they're met by surprise and shock, especially Naomi. She's been gone over 10 years. Life has been tough and it's been cruel. And she shows the wear and tear, not only in her appearance, but also in her attitude. Bitter despair owns her soul and she does not hesitate to tell people she's upset. She reveals that this time that she has an inability to trust the hidden hand of God as he's providentially working behind the scenes in what seems like tragedy. In fact, she's quickly, just quickly to just go on record and say, I'm blaming God for this. Beloved, can I tell you, Naomi was bitter. Something you may not know, Naomi's down in the land and experienced this not by her own doing, but based on her husband's choice. And can I tell you, most of our bitterness with God comes because of things other people did. If you're bitter here this morning, I want you just to pay attention to a few things because I want to help you guard your heart against this. And Here's the first thing, man. Remember who believes in you. Verse 19, all the towns abuzz. (laughs) Hey, Naomi, she's back. Is this Naomi? Is this our beloved Naomi? Naomi means pleasant. Is this our pleasant one? Is this Naomi who just filled the room with her presence? Is she back? call me Naomi. You call me Mara. Mara means bitter one. The Almighty has made me bitter. She says, El Shaddai has afflicted me. He's brought disaster and evil on me. I went away full. I had a husband and two sons, and now Yahweh has taken everything from me. Yahweh has opposed me. The Lord has called me to a p- account. He's declared me guilty and now he's punishing me. Shaddai, God Almighty, has afflicted me. I am the target of his arrows. I am the target of his missiles. He's just trying to destroy me. She's correct in who God is. He is sovereign. But she's blind to the fact that that God indeed controls all things, but God is the one who brings blessing out of brokenness. See, I know this about a crowd like this. There are some of you here this morning that are probably angry at God for the way your life is turning out. You may be here this morning thinking that God hates you and has nothing but punishment for you. And I want you to know That the Lord is control and he is at work doing things in your life to bring a Boaz into your life. He is working to bring you to the place where he can bless you greater than you were before. That's what he did for Job. That's what he'll do for you. See, Ecclesiastes 7.14 teaches us that on the day of prosperity, be happy. But on the day of adversity, consider God has made the one as well as the other so that a person will not discover anything that will come after him. God's made them both, blessing and adversity. Lamentations 3, who is there who speaks and it comes to pass unless the Lord has commanded it? Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that both adversity and good proceed? God brings the good and God allows the bad. Isaiah 45, 7, the one forming light and creating darkness, causing well-being and creating disaster. I am the Lord who does these things. Yes, the Lord is in control. He allows and even creates disaster. But he also brings blessing. It's hard for us to understand. Amos 3:6, if a trumpet is blown in a city, will the people not tremble? If a disaster occurs in a city, has the Lord not brought it about? It's true. The Lord has either allowed or caused those things in your life. It is true. Naomi is right about the sovereignty of God, but she's missed something so important. And if you're bitter against God, you may have missed it as well. Because listen to me, the Bible says in the midst of all that, Romans 8, 28 and 31. And we know that God causes all things. To work together for good for those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. And just like we sang it this morning, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Psalm 35, it says it this way For it says, anger is what, church? But for a moment. His favor? For a lifetime. Weeping? Woo, church. Weeping may last for a what? But a shout of joy comes in the morning. You see, when you're struggling and you can't see the big picture, just remember who believes in you because there's always going to be a Ruth beside you. And If you can't believe in yourself, God will send somebody to believe in you for you. Here's the second thing. Remember who is beside you. Naomi forgot that God was for her and believed in her. After all, she was his child. (laughs) Naomi also, in all this conversation, doesn't tell her friends or even introduce them to the one right beside her. And that's Ruth. Um, And little did she know that this Moabitess, this girl from Moab would turn her brokenness to blessedness. There's a principle here. I want you to see it. In Exodus 15, verses 23 through 25, listen to this. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah because they were what? Bitter. For that reason, it was named Marah. Here she is now. I can't even drink the stuff of God anymore. I can't even drink the provisions of God anymore because I'm bitter. So the people grumbled at Moses saying, what are we to drink? Then he cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree and he threw it into the waters and what happened, church? And the waters became sweet. Listen to me. When she was in her despair and she was in bitter times, God threw a branch in the water named Ruth and guess what happened? Naomi became sweet again by the time we get to chapter four. That's what God does. When you're bitter, he'll throw you a Ruth into the bitter waters of your soul, and he will make things sweet. Just remember who's beside you. And then lastly, remember what belongs to you. Naomi has a redeemer, and she belongs to a family. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Ruth chapter 2, verse 3. We're preaching ahead a little bit. But Ruth chapter 2, verse 3 says this. So she departed and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the portion of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. Ooh, man. She's got a family. She's got a family of God. She also has a piece of land. She didn't even remember this, but she's got a piece of land because in Ruth chapter four, verse three, the Bible says this. It's interesting. It's, it's, it's just crazy. Then he said to the closest relative, Naomi, who has come back from the land of Moab, has to sell the piece of land which belonged to our brother Elimelech. She's got the family of God, and she's got what? A home back in Israel. You just got to remember what belongs to you. And can I remind you that in Christ, you have a redeemer and you belong to the family of God and that you have a piece of heaven that belongs to you. Can I tell you that we cover this morning, we'll get into those chapters a little bit later, but when you're sensing bitterness, guard your heart by remembering that you are a child of God and heaven is your home. You're just passing through here. God may allow some things to happen, but listen to me, God can take your brokenness and turn it into blessedness. You just have to make the decisions that are loving, just, and true. Can I tell you one day, one day, two monks were walking through the countryside and they were on their way to another village to help bring in the crops. And as they walked, they spied an old woman sitting at the edge of a river. She was upset because there was no bridge and she couldn't get across on her own. The first monk said, hey, we'll carry you across if you want us to. Thank you so much. And she accepted the help. So the two men, they joined their hands together and they lifted her up and they carried her across the river. When they got to the other side, they set her down and she went on her way as they began to walk on, the second monk began to complain. Look at my clothes. They're filthy from carrying that woman across the river. And I don't know what she's been eating. Man, my back hurts. That was one heavy woman. My back is getting stiff. The first monk just smiled and nodded his head few more miles up the road, the second month, we began to complain again. My back is hurting so badly, and it's all because we had to carry that silly woman across the river. I can't even go on now because my back hurts so bad. The first monk looked down at his partner who was now lying on the ground. You ever wondered why I'm not complaining? Your back hurts because... You're still carrying the woman, but I set her down five miles ago. What many of us are like, we just keep carrying things that we should have set down a long time ago. So now all we do is just complain. Complain. Naomi had been carrying the bitterness for almost 10 years. And beloved, can I just tell you today, it is time to let some stuff go. It's time to let it go. So how do you do that? You remember who believes in you. You remember who's beside you and you remember what belongs to you. Team, if you would come. So where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? Well, we guide our hearts with biblical decisions. We give our hearts with bulldog devotion and we guard our heart against bitter despair. You see, can there be closure I guess is what we're really asking. Can there be pain that's so deep, can it ever be left behind? Can there be a new beginning in which the memory of the pain fades away? The last verse in our text says that they entered Bethlehem at a time of reaping. (laughs) Here they discover the generous, providing, redeeming God. Can I just tell you what one of my friends said? He said this. He said, grace is always God's last word. Grace is always God's last word. Did you know that 2,000 years ago, there was another girl in the same village with the same God, and there were shepherds watching their flocks by night, and they said, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing which is coming past, so they went to see Jesus, and there in Bethlehem is the one who is the Savior of the world, the bread of life. Let me ask you this morning, have you ever come to the bread of life? Have you ever made a trip to Bethlehem to see this thing which has come to pass? This is the Christmas story. This is the good news about what's happened in Bethlehem. This is the message of life for a hungry world. Beloved, are you here this morning within the sound of my voice, watching me online, hearing me on the radio? Are you here today and are you hungry for forgiveness? Are you hungry with with peace? Do you need some peace? What about love, unconditional love? Do you need grace that's greater than all your sin? Do you desire a new life, new beginnings, to know your purpose on this planet, to know that you can be forgiven of all and to have a home in heaven, but to have God take residence in your heart right now, if that's you, I invite you to come and receive Christ as your Savior. I invite you to come back to the Lord if you've gotten away. I invite you this morning to come and let bitterness go and leave here blessed. So beloved, I wonder if you would just rise to your feet with me. I'm going to pray. And we're going to sing. And if you need to pray about anything, if you need the Lord Jesus, if you need to trust him like our sweet sisters did this morning, if you too want to follow him, You come and grab one of us by the hand. There'll be some men and some women that'll be up here to receive you. But let me pray. May the power of your Holy Spirit, God, draw us to your heart, to where we just can't say no. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.